ready for God's word today? Come on, let's get right into it. We got a lot to say today. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for a great start of the service already. Our hearts are open. Our minds are open. Lord, we're just ready to receive what you have to say to us today. We just pray today, Lord, answer questions. Give us solutions. Give us hope. Give us a reason why we should continue. Help us to know and understand your heart for us. And Lord, if we have forgotten, if we've put things on a shelf, Lord, bring it all back to us today in just fine fashion for your honor and for your glory. That just shows how much you love us, how much you care about us, that no matter what state we find ourselves in, Lord, there's something to learn and something to grow in today for your honor and for your glory. We thank you for all your many blessings, and we'll be so careful to give you all the honor and praise, and you're the only one that's worthy of it all. And all of God's people said... Amen. Welcome to our last part of Hashtag Blessed. I thought I'd match the, the theme of the day. Uh, and so glad you're here. This is part seven, our last part in our series, Hashtag Blessed. And I would encourage you, if you've missed any part of this, um, please go to our website, intlfamilychurch.com. Go to the media section. Everything is archived. Listen to it as often as you want. Share it with family and friends. Um, it will be a great blessing. Let me remind you of what it means to live blessed. This has been our working definition that we've used each week. Um, blessed, ongoing increase, possessing more than enough for you and the ability to give to others. I pray by now this is in your heart. Um, you've written it down. It's, it's on your mirror, your refrigerator, on your favorite digital device. It's something in front of you because you need to remind yourself of this. This is God's will for you. I've declared it each week that this is the perfect will of God for your life. Ongoing increase in every area of your life. Not just your money. Every area of your life Ongoing increase is the will of God for you. Amen. Now, you might have a drawer full of bills. You might have a bank account that's in the negative or not near as healthy as you'd like it to be. The good news is that's not permanent. Amen. Whatever state you find yourself in right now, if you're not happy where you are financially, you're not happy with your life, man, it's all temporary. It's all subject to change. Why? Because God has a plan for you. And that plan is God has a financial plan for you that if you'll just implement it, and that's what these last six weeks have been all about, if you'll just implement it, see, it doesn't, it's not magic. It doesn't just show up in your mailbox. I know we all want that mailbox faith. I'm not suggesting that one day it might not show up in your mailbox, but you did something first way before it showed up in your mailbox, right? I don't believe in magic. I don't believe in hocus pocus and, and pie, uh, pipe dreams. Man, God has a plan, and he wants you to be responsible with that plan. Implement the plan and watch what God will do for you. I love that. Amen? So don't be discouraged today. God has a plan for your life. So over the last several weeks, I've, I've instructed you and we've been reminded that today we'll be receiving a very special offering uh, into three different areas where this offering is going to go. It's going to be a very special opportunity for us. And I'll remind you of that later on in the service, but wanted to remind you that that is coming. Um, and, and so today I want to talk to you about the privilege of giving. I'm so excited about this message. I promise you when, I, when I, this message comes out, it's going to come out of my toes today. I mean, it's going to be like in a deep place. Just, it's, it's a message that really is, is how my wife and I live. It's a message of reminder. It's a message of, of, of hope. It's a message of focus today. Um, it, this, this message, I promise you, is really going to help you today. You see, most people follow God the wrong way. They really do. And how do I know that? Because I used to. Most people follow God and do what they think he wants them to do out of a sense of obligation, not joy, not passion. So many of us do things in our walk with God, not because we enjoy them. See, many of us live our lives out of I have to versus I get to. Many people don't enjoy attending church regularly, but they know they're supposed to attend. Many people don't enjoy their prayer time with God, but they recognize that they need to. They're supposed to have time of prayer. Many people don't even enjoy reading their Bibles, 
So because of that, they know they're supposed to, and they, they do their best to have to do it, but it's not something that's a delight. It's not something that's a joy in their lives. And so what this has created is a generation of religious people who follow God out of a sense of duty. They're not really enjoying the ride. Jesus said in John 10, 10, he said, here's the reason why I came. I came that you would have life and that you would enjoy that life. See, life is meant to be enjoyed. I pray you're enjoying life. I pray that life is enjoyable. Oh, I didn't say life was perfect. I didn't say life didn't have its ups and downs. But, but if you're going to have life, then enjoy the life that Jesus gave you. He paid a very dear price for that life. And he says to us, you need to be enjoying that life. See, that's not God's best to just go live your life through obligation and not be enjoying this life that God has given to you. Listen, attending church, spending time in prayer, reading your Bible, let me tell you something, all of that should be enjoyed, not endured. I've gone to church before and I've endured it. I didn't enjoy it. Maybe a church used to go to, hopefully not this one. Um, <laughs> you endured that Sunday morning experience or that whatever experience. You didn't enjoy it. Our prayer is that we work hard to make sure when you come to church, man, you enjoy being here. It's not a, a, an exercise in endurance, but you leave here excited and you can't wait to get here and you can't wait to implement what you learned when you got here. Praise God. Amen. So here's our big takeaway for today. Here's what I want to focus on. God wants you to fall in love with him so much that giving becomes a delight, not a duty. That giving becomes a delight and not a duty. Now understand something. This happens to be a message on giving, but this message will apply to every area of your life. You name it. Put something different in there. Amen. This is life is not supposed to be a duty with God. Amen. It's supposed to be a delight. So let's unpack this today. And, and I believe that with all my heart. So here's what the Bible says. Let's go through a few scriptures today, lay a little foundation for where I'm going to be going today. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 is a great place to start. It says this, for God is the one working in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Amen. See, God wants to work on your will. Oftentimes we are unwilling or our will is not cooperating, right? We, we will to do something else. We will. We'd rather be someplace else. But God's the one who's working in you to change your will, to help you be willing. And not only help you be willing, but then give you the ability to do what it is you're supposed to do. Why? All for his good pleasure. Amen. I have pastors ask me all the time, how do you do three services as regular as you do for as many Sundays in the year that you do and do all three at a high level of excellence. And how do you do that? Well, one of the things, now there are natural things I do, um, but there, is, there are some spiritual things I do. And this is one of these verses that came alive to me years ago. I actually put my faith in this verse. I actually believe this is what God does for me every time I get up here and preach. While I was worshiping the Lord today, raising my hands, singing these awesome songs, I was quoting this verse. I was thanking God for this verse. I was saying, God, thank you today. You make me willing, and you give me the ability to do the second service. Amen. Another translation says, he gives you the desire and the power. Another translation says, he makes you willing and gives you the energy to execute his gracious will, all for his good pleasure. So every Sunday, I'm standing on that verse. Anytime you got to do something on a regular basis, go to work or something that's long and arduous at times or creates a, a demand on your energy or raising kids or whatever it might be on your job, man, this verse applies to you. Amen. God wants to help you with your willingness. He's the one who changes your will. God is always working on our willingness. He knows how important that is. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, a different translation says, the New Century Version says, because God is working in you to help you want to do. Yes. God wants to help you in your want to today. Yes. Amen. If you're lagging in your want to, well, God's the one who wants to help you to want to and be able to do what 
pleases him. Man, that's encouraging to me. I don't know about you. Willing to pray, willing to read, willing to serve, willing to give. Amen. Uh, I don't have to. I want to. All for his good pleasure. God wants us to enjoy our giving. He wants us to enjoy our generosity. He wants us to be willing and have the ability to do whatever it is that pleases him. And I love that. See, God's always setting you up for a win. He's not setting you up for failure. He wants you to win. He wants to give you all that ability for his good pleasure because he takes pleasure in you doing what he's called you to do. I love that. Amen. That's the kind of people I want us to be. There's some verses of scripture that really help us with this. Some great examples. The first one's found in Exodus. Exodus 35, 21, an offering is being taken here. It's a great Old Testament example. An offering is being taken here. It says, then everyone came whose heart was stirred and everyone whose spirit was willing and they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the meeting for all its service and for the holy garments. Now think about this. This is the kind of givers I want us to be. This is the kind of givers that, that have the willingness to say, you know what, I need my heart stirred. Something happens when your heart is stirred. I didn't say manipulated. I didn't say I have to. I didn't say you better do it or else you're a bad person. Um, I didn't say, you know, we're going to flood you with sad stories so that your heart, you know, feels bad so you can give. Now, we don't want emotional givers, but when your heart is stirred, meaning stirred by God's love, stirred by the opportunity, stirred by the privilege, stirred by, by the joy of the get-to in our lives, when your heart is stirred, it's easy for your spirit to be willing. Amen. Amen. See, we don't do a good enough job helping people have a stirred heart. When my heart gets stirred, I love being willing. When I know why I'm doing it, when I understand, man, God's in it, and my heart is stirred, whatever it might be, wherever I might preach, whoever I might help, whoever I might visit in the hospital, whoever I might see in my neighborhood or, or, or meet a total stranger, man, when my heart gets stirred, man, I, my spirit is willing to do whatever that moment needs me to be. Amen? Are you here today? Yes. Hearts that are easily stirred are hearts that are easily to be willing. First Chronicles 29, again, another offering being taken. Back in the Old Testament, the church uh, of the Old Testament, the representation of that was a set-up, tear-down church. Um, it, it was in a tent called a tabernacle. And so they would, they would, they would you know, this church would be this tabernacle in tents um, would be carried around in carts and would be set up and then taken down. And it was time for a permanent facility. It was time not to be a set up, take down church anymore. It was time to set up a permanent facility. So again, here an offering is being taken. David um, is speaking here. And, and moreover, because he says, moreover, because I have set my affection on the house of my God. What that means is David loved the church. He did. He loved that representation of the church that we are enjoying today. If David had a Twitter account, it would be hashtag I love my church. <laughs> yeah, he was in love with his church. And because he loved the church, because he loved the house of God, he says, I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. And you can go on to read there of what he gave and the, the amazing gift that he gave that in today's terms was, 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 was billions of dollars in today's terms of silver and gold and cattle and so forth. After he did that, he said, who then is willing? Who else is willing? Who else is not going to be doing this out of obligation? I've set an example because I was willing out of my affection. Amen. Who else then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? I set the example. Now who else is going to be willing? It goes on to say, then the leaders. So obviously the leaders got inspired by David's example. Then the leaders of the father's house Houses, leaders of the tribes of Israel, the captains of thousands and of hundreds. These are, these are top leaders here. With the officers over the king's work offered willingly. So they got involved. They put their heart into this. 
because of that example, they became willing. And then because of the leader's willingness, guess what happened? The people got inspired. Then the people rejoiced, for they had offered willingly, because with a loyal heart they had offered willing to the Lord, and the king and King David also rejoiced greatly. What great examples to us today of people who have made up their minds of what can happen when you can give willingly, because willingness is contagious. When we are willing, man, there's something that happens to us that, man, we love that example. We love when somebody does it for the right reason and somebody does it in faith and somebody does it in a way that honors God. That's the kind of church I want us to be. Amen. And I believe that is the kind of church we are. Amen. I believe it with all my heart. They gave how? They gave willingly, not because they had to. They, they got, the people got fired up because of all the examples that they had, and they gave willingly. And when it's inspiring, it's motivating, it helps us. And here's why this is so important. And here's God's perspective on this in, in 2 Corinthians. The New Testament says, For if there is a willing mind first, the gift is accepted According to what a man possesses, not according to what he does not possess. Meaning when you have a willing mind in your giving, when you first come up and say, I am willing, man, that's acceptable to God. God says, you go for it. I love when my son gets willing. I love when my, my daughter gets willing. Amen. And he says, man, you give out of what you have. See, you can't give what you don't have. But you get in certain circles and it seems like they want to take, they want to make water come out of a rock, right? I've been in those services where they're trying to raise a budget and, and, and they still need an extra amount of money and they won't go on. 20 minutes later, they're still pleading for you to feel bad so you'll pledge something else that you don't have. Okay. Ever been in a service like that? Yeah. Hopefully never here. And that'll never happen here. As far as I know, it's never happened. Amen. See, if there is a willing mind first, something happens. This is what God is looking for us in all of us. So, so how do I get that kind of heart? How does that kind of willingness come? Where does it come from? Uh, that passionate desire to live in a state of willingness. And it comes from here. It comes from defining and understanding clearly the why. Why we're to give. The why is so important. See, the why motivates all of us. The why is very motivating. See, I believe that many couples are in trouble. Married couples are in trouble because they stop rehearsing why they're in love. They began to rehearse more of what's wrong with him and what's wrong with her, what's deficient, what their limitations are. And we've lost our why. Why did you fall in love with her in the first place? Why did you fall in love with him in the first place? And see, I believe that, that when you rehearse your why, something happens and, and you can stir up the very reason why God put his hand upon you as a married couple, why God put that divine spark of love in you in the very first place. And, and when you don't rehearse the why of why you fell in love, it's only a matter of time before the grass is, becomes greener or looks like it's greener on the other side of some fence. Thank you for your enthusiasm. <laughs> Couples, you need to remind each other why you fell in love with each other. Amen. Listen, it works in every area of your life. You need to rehearse why you love IFC. Yes. You need to rehearse it. Are you here out of convenience? Are you here because it's a stop on the way to someplace else? Or are you really here because God called you here? Yes. Amen. See, I believe you've got to rehearse your why. Yes. Why you love IFC. Because if you don't rehearse your why, somebody will say something stupid and somebody from the pulpit will say something you don't agree with or something will happen and, and we might dot our I's differently and cross our T's a little differently. But if we don't rehearse our why, you'll get chased away from where you belong. Yes. Come on, I'm preaching better than that this morning. Let me put it this way. You need to rehearse why you call me your pastor. You really do. Amen. You need to rehearse why you call me your pastor. Now, I get a congregation this size. I don't pastor all of you. I understand that. There are some, though, I do. There are some that I know I pastor you because you've made a demand on me. You made a demand on that gift of shepherd on the inside of me. You, get, you made a demand on that oversight gift. Amen. That under shepherd gift. Amen. I'm, I'm not your Lord. I'm just, I'm an under shepherd here. He is the chief shepherd. But I get those that I get to pastor and I'm privileged of pastoring and those who are here temporarily, you're brand new, you're not sure, you're kicking the tires. I don't know if this is where I need to be. Uh, but at some point you need to rehearse if I am your pastor. Hello. 
if I am your pastor, you need to rehearse why I'm your pastor. Amen. Because there's a blessing on you when you understand the, the, the privilege and the responsibility that we get to share together in this pastor, the shepherd sheep relationship. It's, it's pretty awesome. Amen. You need to rehearse why you pay your tithes, why you give your offerings. You need to rehearse why you love your children. The list goes on and on. Now, why is this so important? Here, listen. When I lose my why, I'll lose my way. When I lose my why, I lose my way. Maybe you've lost your way in life. Maybe you've lost your way because of, of, of a lot of heartache and, and challenges in your life. Maybe you've lost your way in your marriage with your children. You've lost your way financially. You've lost your way in relationships. You've, you've lost your way spiritually. You've lost your way in many areas. And you find yourself, life is not as good to you as you thought it was supposed to be at this season of your life. And if you're not careful, you've got to rehearse your why. See, why doesn't change. The how and the what always changes. That's why we focus so much on the why here at IFC. How and what is, is flexible. There's room to grow and change in the how and the what. But there's no room in the why. There's no room why we are here as a church and what our mission is and our why as a church and what your why is as a family, as a businessman, as a businesswoman. Your why and why you serve people, why you love your family, why you are the way you are as a family. Amen. Your why is so important because if, if you don't rehearse your why, when I lose my why, I'll lose my way. Wow. There's a way back. And your way back is to understand your why. Why God has done this for you. Why God is working on your behalf. Why, amen, uh, you know, because your marriage gets in trouble when you lose your why. Your, your life is not enjoyable when you lose your why, when you stop rehearsing all that God has done for you over and over and over again. That's why you love him. That's why he's so good. That's why he does what he does. And when you understand your why, man, you get right back in line with your way. How in the world have we survived 42 years in ministry, 42 years married, 37 years pastoring this church? How do we do that? Because I keep rehearsing my why. I keep the why in front of me so I can get to walk in the right way that God has for me. I hope that helps you today. Let me answer the question today. Why is it such a privilege to give? Well, it's a privilege to give, number one, because Jesus gave to us first. Because Jesus gave to us first. That's why it's a privilege for me to give. Amen. Do you know what fires me out about giving? What fires me about giving is that my heavenly father sent his one and only son. And he told him, you need to forsake it all. Forsake your dreams. Forsake your, your life. Forsake your, your career, if you will. Forsake it all. And even, even offer up your body. Offer up your body in the hopes. Here it was his hope of why he said to Jesus, you need to give it all. You need to give it all because there's a guy down there on planet Earth by the name of Jonathan Del Turco. Do it just for him. And you know what? If I was the only one, he would have done it just for me. If you were the only one, he would have done it just for you. That's the reason why Jesus gave it all up. Because there was a guy on earth like you and a woman like you on earth who needed Jesus. Jesus gave to us first. And that's the big motivation of my life because Jesus gave to me. Amen. I'll never forget the day that Jesus took away my guilt. He took away my shame. He took away my sin, past, present, and future. Amen. And he put purpose in my heart. And I'm grateful to God today that I'm alive and well today, living in my purpose, all because Jesus gave to me first. Anybody else excited about Jesus today? Anybody else pumped up about the fact that Jesus died for you, shed his blood for you? Amen. Why? So that you could have life and purpose. Man, that's why I give. That's the privilege of giving. Amen. And Jesus came along and says in Matthew 10, verse 8, in the Message Bible, you have been treated generously, so live generously. Because of the generation of my father, because of his example, and the generation of Jesus, amen, the generosity of Jesus, man, it causes me to say, you know what, man, you, I've been treated generously, and so I live 
generously. Glory to God. Number two, it's a privilege to give because number two, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Amen. Amen. The word blessed in the Greek, listen to this, actually means giddy. Giddy. It does. Happy. Fired up about it. God already put that in your spiritual DNA. I was thinking about a practical example of this, and, and this is the one I came up with. It works for me. Ever been traveling through your neighborhood on a hot summer day? You come across two little seven-year-olds that set up shop in their front yard. Little card table, big sign, you know, lemonade for 50 cents. And they're so excited, and they can't wait for a car to stop. I've done this before. I pull over, and, and sometimes I've gotten out of the car. I pulled over and my, put my window down. And you know what they do? Ooh, yay! You know, and then it's like going to town where we got our first person or another person to, to give us. And, and what happens to you? You, you smile, don't you? you? You laugh about that. See, that God put that on the inside of you. God put that on the inside of you about giving and, and the joy that it produces in others. And, and you know, you ask for it. I'll, I'll take a, a little cup of, of, of lemonade, please. And so they say, sure. And they go, put their finger in the cup, right, and pour that little lemonade inside the cup, right? And you're thinking, I'm not going to drink that, that's for sure. Right? And so they say, 50 cents, please. And you say, and you give them $2, you know, a dollar each. And they're going, yay, yay. And they start screaming out, this is the best day of my life. Right? You can picture yourself there. Doesn't that bring you such sheer joy? Oh, it does me. See, that's what it means to be more blessed, to be giddy in your giving, to be joyful. When was the last time you were giddy in your giving? That you brought laughter to your heart. Wow, I, I, what a privilege for me to be able to give like this. What a privilege for me to be able to be a, a blessing like this. And Acts 20, 35 says this, says, you're not likely to go wrong here if you keep remembering that our master said, you're far happier giving than getting. I love Winston Churchill. What a great statement he said here. We make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. So profound. It's a privilege to give. It's a privilege to, to carry on the nature of our Heavenly Father. If you don't like your life right now, find channels of generosity. Be a blessing to somebody else. And watch how that will in turn inspire you and stir up that spiritual DNA in you to bring joy and be giddy and, and, and light up and be all fired up about your giving. Amen. Number three, it's a privilege to give because number three, I'm in covenant with God and with you. Absolutely. I want to teach you something important here that I believe will help you. It's helped me when I realized this. God has a plan for the earth. We know that. And the way it all comes to pass is he groups us relationally. He groups us relationally. His design is that we would get close enough so that we could do more together than we could have ever done on our own. So he longs for us to get close. That's God's plan. God's plan is total strangers would come to a one place, a local church, and will begin to develop a closeness relationally. Or we might not be each other's best friend. Maybe we might be, right? But relationally, we come together and we realize, man, I'm a part of a company. I'm a part of a people. I'm a part of a tribe. I'm a part of the body of Christ. Amen. There's something powerful about that. And that's why the devil attacks your relationships relentlessly. He does. Why? He doesn't want you to become relational with others. He wants you to be an island onto yourself. He wants you to be so full of hurt and offense and so full of, 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 of bitterness and regret that you're off all by yourself. And why does he do that? See, he can't stop you from giving, but he can contain you. He says, fine, you want to give? You give all by yourself. But when we're together relationally, imagine what we can do when we're all together. So the devil loves putting up barriers, religious barriers, racial barriers, age barriers, right? Language barriers. I mean, all these barriers. And what are those barriers for? So that we don't come together. So we don't experience life relationally. So we don't get to do more than what we could have ever done all by yourself. The devil says, you be all by yourself. It's better to be by yourself. But you never enjoy the enormous ability of what happens when a family gives. 
when a tribe gives, when a people give, when a company give. Are you kidding me? Man, it's amazing what God can do when we understand your full potential can be reached when you find your covenant family, when you do something powerful, amen, and something wonderful happens. Ver and I, listen, we're very serious about this. Besides our immediate family and a few really close friends, there is no group of people we love more than this group right here. I cannot imagine doing life without you. I cannot imagine ever being in a place where I'm not doing life with you. I mean that with all my heart. In fact, this past Thursday, we celebrated 30 years pastoring International Family Church. 37 years. Excuse me. 37. Imagine that. 37 years loving and serving this congregation. Man, there is no greater honor and joy, amen, than the last 37 years. I talked to pastors. I, I, I have very rarely met pastors who pastored one place that long. Just this past weekend, I met a pastor 35 years, and we, we get the longevity. We get what it takes to be able to do that so long at such a high level. And I, I meet new pastors all the time. I love new pastors, and, and they're in their mid-20s like we were when we started, or their early 30s or mid-30s, and, and they're brand new, and they hear 37 years, and I, I, I'm there with a smile on my face saying, it's possible. You don't have to fail. You don't have to burn out. You don't have to quit. You don't have to lose your marriage. You don't have to, and, he, and, and I'm always telling people, the seven couples we started with in, in ministry, we're the only ones married. There's a high price to this in anybody's life. We are the only couple still married. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Psalm 92, verse 13. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Man, there's something about being planted, something about putting your roots down, something about, and you know some of you have been with us a long time, and your roots go deep, and your roots are all entangled and all together with other people, and you're stronger because of your roots, you know, growing with other people. Something happens. I call this the boomerang blessing. When you, when you bless the house of God, when you get involved in God's business, God's get involved in your business. That's what this is. When you get planted... See, some of you, you keep uprooting yourself. Well, I don't agree with that. You know, you go and you take up your roots and you go over here and say, this looks good. And I put down your roots and four months later, you pick up your roots and you say, I, I'm out of here. And you go put your roots someplace else and you're there for maybe now a year, but up something happens again. Put your roots up and you're over here and you go down here and you wonder why you're bearing no fruit. You wonder why you got root rot. You wonder why there's no fruit. You wonder why you're not flourishing. Man, you got to get planted somewhere. And you got to know God put you there no matter what happens, come hell or high water, and they both will. You got to plant yourself there. So why? So you can flourish in the house of our God. Amen. When you put all of our skill set together, all of our energy together, all of our, our, our ideas together in covenant family, something miraculous happens. And I like to say it this way. Amen. The... Two, no, go to the other one. None of us, none of us are as good as all of us. Isn't that good? None of us are as good as all of us. Let's move along quickly here. It's a privilege to give because number four, just a few more. Number four, I really believe in the vision of our church. I pray you do too. You'll say, well, you have to believe in the vision of our church. That might be true. But nonetheless, I still believe in the vision of our church. I still believe it's a God-centered vision. I still believe it's, it's God's purpose. And I believe we are uniquely equipped as a church to make a big difference in the lives of people that God's called us to. I'm grateful for the big church, the big C church, the, lo the global church. I'm grateful for the little C, the local church, because together, man, we get to impact our world for the honor and glory of God. Think about this. Ephesians 3.10 says this, through followers of Jesus like yourselves gathered in churches like IFC, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known. Amen. See, it's when we come together that we get known. 
It's when we come together and obey God that we get known. God's plan becomes uh, uh, real. God's plan becomes published. I mean, the, the, the reputation of international family churches all around the world. I'm on an overseer board in the church that I was just at this past um, Sunday. We had this big board meeting on, on Monday, and I met four other board members that I have heard their names and they have heard of my name, but we've never actually physically met. We've watched each other online. We've, we've heard about each other. And, and it was a joy to finally meet these incredible men and women of God, men that pastor some amazing churches, and they've been telling me stories about what they've heard about IFC. He says, IFC is known around the country. IFC is known for their generosity, known for their missions, known for how they treat people, known for how they reach the nations, known for how many nations they have at IFC. Isn't that wonderful? Yes. We have a good reputation. Amen. And we're grateful for that. See, the mobilized church is the hope of the world. Think about this. We're in covenant with each other. Because of our collective giving, this past Friday, we were able to purchase $10,000 worth of, of market basket gift cards to bless 200 families with a complete Thanksgiving dinner. All because of your giving. We didn't even have to take up a special offering. Many of you didn't even know about it. And we were able to write that check and bless them. And, and, and here we see people being blessed with a complete opportunity to buy their Thanksgiving dinner. Man, what a joy. What an honor. Amen. Again, thank you, Lala and, and, um, and Andre. God bless you. And uh, what a joy. What a privilege. Because of your giving, we've invested hundreds of thousands of dollars just this year in ministries and nonprofit organizations around the world. We are so honored to be in strategic partnership with Living Word Missions as we've adopted unreached people groups. Now we're talking about people who have never heard the gospel once. Unreached people groups where we have, where we have reached out to the Fula and we have adopted some other unreached people groups. And, and here is the northern part of Africa that we are reaching out to in this region right here. And reaching out and, and in a position to adopt even more unreached people groups. I have never yet met a... Yeah, go ahead. It's pretty amazing. We believe in going from the neighborhood to the nations. We believe in all this. We believe it's imperative. Uh, our own uh, missions director, Jean-Claude Noah, he was in the first service, just came back from Burkina Faso, um, uh, West Africa. And there he was delivering resources as we've uh, adopted more church planners to help them reach unreached people groups. And, and the first part of December, the three of us, uh, Wendy Tetro, Jean-Claude, and myself, we're going to Rick Warren's church in California where it's the host of, of an amazing conference called Finishing the Task where thousands of leaders around the world will be gathering in one place strategizing on how to reach more unreached people groups. That's amazing. You see, the Bible says when everybody hears what's going to happen, the trumpet's going to sound and Jesus is going to come back soon. Amen. We have a part to play in that, and I'm very grateful for that. Thousands of dollars. Man, I got a list of things. Thousands of dollars to missionaries. Thousands went to the Philippines recently during their tsunami um, uh, disaster that wiped out part of the Philippines. Thousands of dollars to Panama City, to one of our sister churches, whose church got wiped out because of the hurricane that happened there. Thousands of dollars uh, to churches who are in the process of building new buildings. We love investing in helping people build their new buildings. Thousands of dollars have gone to pastors and their families in transition. It's been a burden on our, on our heart when pastors leave a church and are going to another church or pastors had to leave because of a moral failure or because they failed in somehow. Man, we shouldn't, we shouldn't reject them. We shouldn't like turn our back on them. Man, they have a family. They have mouths to feed. They have a marriage to get restored. So we've invested thousands and we said to them, we will commit to you to help you over this next year. Make sure that you have a, a house to live in. You have a food on your table. You have the counseling that you need. You can be in that place because it benefits all of us when we keep the shepherds healthy. Yes. Amen. Thousands 
right here have gone to International Family Church families who've been displaced or going through issues. I mean, literally hundreds of thousands this year have gone from the neighborhood to the nations. Why? Because we're in covenant with God and we're in covenant with each other. Isn't that awesome? Come on, give God praise for that today. All right, one more. Now, here's my favorite. This is, I say, the best for last as far as I'm concerned. Number five, one day we want to hear Jesus say, well done. Wow. See, one day we're going to come face to face with Jesus. I don't know if you've ever envisioned that moment or not. I have. I've let my imagination go based on what I've read in the Bible, based upon reports of people that have gone to heaven and come back. So I've rehearsed this moment. So let me give you my version of what I think might happen. When I stand before Jesus one day, I envision myself being in this giant holding room, right? And I hear, uh, Jonathan Del Turco, um, it's time now for you to meet Jesus. So I get all excited to meet Jesus, <laughs> right? So I go into the room, I turn, wow, there he is. There he is, my Savior, my Lord, the one who suffered for me. I look in his loving eyes. I think, wow, here he is. He shed his blood for me. He died for me that I could have salvation, that I could have eternal life. I think, oh, my goodness. I can only imagine at that moment that I'm overwhelmed by emotion, overwhelmed to actually be in his presence. I'm sure, if, in my estimation, it won't take me long to be falling on my face, right? Falling on my knees. I mean, just on my face, saying over and over and over again, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Here's what I envision. I envision Jesus coming up to me and saying, Jonathan, stand up. I look up into the face of Jesus, and he's got this big smile on his face. And he comes over to me and he says, Jonathan, you did it. You did it. You did it. I gave you a dream. I gave you a great wife. I gave you a great family. I gave you a great church. I gave you all those great looks. Hey, it's my story. I gave it all to you so you would enjoy life and you would bring as many people to heaven as possible. And I think, oh my goodness, Jesus, it was a great honor. It was a joy. And Jesus looks at me and says, I want to give you something. I think, oh Lord. I don't want anything. You, you've given me everything. It's been a joy to serve you and to honor you. He says, no, no, listen to me. I have rewards I want to give you. And the Bible says that Jesus is going to meet us in the clouds, right? He's going to, he's going to meet us in the clouds. And, and listen, it goes on to say, and he has rewards with him. Wow. Think about that. And I think and I say, wow. And with a grateful heart, Jesus says, because that word reward means that he wants to pay us back. That this reward is pay us back. I think pay us back. He says, but understand, you fulfilled my purpose. You did what I asked you to do. You obeyed me. You followed me. And, and he says, thank you for doing your part. Matthew 25, 23 says, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put in your charge, of char put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Let me tell you something as I close. That day is coming for you too. You'll be in that giant holding area uh, Earl Darrington, come and see Jesus. 
You'll get your And you too one day will stand before Jesus. You too one day will experience whatever, however it is going to pan out as we stand before Jesus. Now I want to help you. I want to help you prepare for that moment. There's no greater gift that I could give you than to help you prepare for that moment. And listen to this, please. There is more to this life than this life. If you could ever get focused on that, if you could ever, ever get a glimpse of how true that is, that as overwhelming as your discouragement is right now, as overwhelming as it is that your life feels like it didn't turn out like I thought, as much as life's drama has taken the joy out of living, has made it so hard for you to live with any kind of excitement or enthusiasm, you've got to know today. You've got to believe this. And trust me, even though in the midst of your worst trial, perhaps, of your life, there's more. There's more. There's more to this life than this life. I can't tell you how many times that has gotten me through some very difficult moments. To know that there's so much more life to live on the other side of life than to live on this side of life. We spend so much time on this side of life thinking this is it. This is what I got to hustle for. It's got to work for. And yes, we need to work hard. And yes, we need to, to do all that we need to do on this side of heaven. But let me tell you something. There is so much more to this life than this life. That'll help you. That'll help you make it to that day where you also can receive your reward because you obeyed God, because you trusted Him, because you stood your ground. We must constantly remind ourselves, remind our spouses, remind our children, remind our friends, hey, remain focused. This truth is true. Remember our big takeaway. God wants you to fall in love with Him so much that giving becomes a delight and not a duty. I can tell you the season of my life, it's a delight for me to do what I do. I had such joy when I get to stand up here in front of you, when I get to meet you one-on-one -on -one in a counseling session, when I visit you in the hospital or marry you or at a ripe old age, I celebrate you up to heaven. It's a privilege and a joy. It's a delight to read my Bible. It's a delight to serve. It's a delight. It's not a duty. Man, I, I say daily, God, it's such a privilege to do what I do. I pray you'll be able to say that over and over again. Don't do it out of obligation. Let's live this life with joy in our hearts. Did you learn something today? Wow. Every head bowed, please. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you'll help us rehearse our why today. We don't want to lose our way, but I pray if anyone here has lost their way today, they're discouraged, overwhelmed, life's not worth it, I'm not worth it, nobody loves me, no one will miss me. I pray that they'll rehearse their why immediately. The devil loves it when we lose our way. He loves it when we get messed up with our why and we forget what the Lord has done for us. We forget the plan of God. We forget He has a destiny and a purpose for us. He loves it when we get isolated and we live in self-pity. But I pray today, Father God, that we will rehearse our why so we can find our way, lift our head up high with a song in our heart and a spring in our step, with life knowing that there's so much more to this life than this life. We won't let this life's drama tear us apart and tear us down. But by God's grace, we rise above the drama. We rise above the discouragement. We rise above the disappointment. We rise above the pain. We rise above it all, Father God, and we keep our eyes on you. I ask you to encourage each person in this room today, everyone in the sound of my voice, those online around the world today, that you will encourage us to stand back up and say, what a joy to live for Jesus. 
I get to go to church. I get to read my Bible. I get to bless other people. I get to serve. I get to be a blessing. I get to, to give my hard-earned earnings to bless my world and to bless others. Wow, what a privilege today. May we never forget what the Lord has done for us. Thank you, Jesus. Heal our hearts today, Father. Heal our minds today, Father. Cause our soul to rejoice in the goodness of God. With every head bowed, every believer praying with me, I want to make sure that there's not one person that's not in this room today or watching online. That you're not sure that you know that Jesus lives inside of your heart. But that meeting with Jesus is going to come whether we like it or not. I want to hear, well done. I don't want to hear, well. To make sure today is make sure that Jesus lives inside of your heart today. You say, Pastor, I need this Jesus. Pray for me, please. I want to make sure that my sins are forgiven, that heaven's my home. I want to make sure I'm right with God. I don't want to leave here today without knowing that I know that my sins are forgiven. If that's, if that's you today, I'm going to ask you just in a moment to raise your hand and put it down. I don't want to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I just want you to acknowledge intentionally your need for Jesus today. And we're going to pray, take up this wonderful legacy offering, and we'll let you go. Anybody at all say, Pastor, that's me. I need Jesus today. Pray for me. Raise it up high today. Anybody like that? Yes, sir. Thank you. God bless you. Yes, sir. Thank you. God bless you. Yes, I see it. Thank you. Who else? Raise it up high today. Wonderful. Anybody else? Yes, over here on the side. I see it. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Man, we had hands go up in the first service too. How, how wonderful to make sure Jesus lives inside of us today. Anybody else before I pray? Today's the day of salvation. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Good for you. Good for you. I'm sure there's plenty of people praying for each of us here today. Anybody else? That's me, Pastor. Pray this with me, Father, in Jesus' name. Here's my heart. I need you, Jesus. Forgive me from my sin. I denounce my past. I want to live for you all the days of my life. I declare you as my Lord and Savior. And I receive by faith forgiveness, salvation, eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give God praise this morning. Yes. Woo. Thank you for listening to the International Family Church Podcast. Our mission at International Family Church is to help you know God for yourself, to find freedom in your life, to discover your God-given purpose, and help you make a difference in the lives of those around you. Our monthly growth track called Next Steps will help you grow and reach your full potential so that you may start to be a blessing to those around you. Come join us next Sunday to discover how to take the next step. Thanks again for listening.